Good morning. Good to see you guys today. If you take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 20, I'm going to get there in just a minute as we continue our series on uh, these parables of Jesus, this Flannel Graph Jesus series that we had this summer. Uh, been an exciting week in Milwaukee, huh? Yeah, been very exciting. And uh, uh, somebody, a friend of mine, I, I drive a, a black, it's not an Escalade, but a black SUV, and they said, hey, Cole, we saw your car on television. I was like, What? <laughs> Yeah, dude, is that your truck at the bottom of that sinkhole? And I was like, Tammy, I'm, I've been gone all week. And so, um, no, no, it's not mine. Pretty crazy stuff and crazy everything. And, uh, and uh, so uh, last weekend, uh, had a great weekend. Uh, you guys so generously gave. Um, last weekend, you supported, uh, picked up 55 child sponsorships with Mission of Mercy. And so that, equ- that equates to about $22,000 annually just last week in the middle of summer. You were just incredibly awesome. For those of you that missed that service, uh, if you want to be, or you were here and you just were, I don't know what I want to do, there's still, I asked Rick, how many kids do you have in Kenya that need sponsorships? And he said, we only have 39 children in the entire country that need sponsorships. So I said, could we have those for a couple of weeks and just let people know if they want to go by and and, uh, pick up a child sponsorship for $34 a month? For those kids that they could do that. He said, sure. So they're back there uh, just to the right of the uh, guest services. And so you, if you want that or you got questions, you can talk to someone back at guest services and they'll be able to help you. But just incredible. Uh, last Sunday morning, TMJ4, uh, Diane Studer, who is um, their members here at Life Church, uh, she uh, started a ministry called Souls for Jesus to get shoes on the, ki- on the feet of children, especially in uh, Ethiopia, after uh, my wife Tammy took a a missions trip last fall with uh, several ladies in the church. And I was one of those ladies, and God spoke to her heart. And it's been incredible to see the favor of God. So if you saw that interview, it was awesome. And what was even kind of cool, too, was something was happening with the commercial breaks. So they had to go longer than what they anticipated. So it was a bigger segment of time. How many of you know God works? <laughs> Amen. So just cool stuff. Uh, and this past week, again, at the church, been been, been pretty eventful. We had, uh, we had our students go on mission trip, Kevin and Noel. Can you guys give Kevin and Noel an awesome hand? Man, we are so blessed to have them. Set a camp record. Number one, but the highest points, or what is that? Highest points for the purple team? You're not competitive, are you, Noel? (laughs) Noel told me the first time we were all playing cards, me and Tammy and her and Kevin, she said, I'll cheat if I have to beat you faster. I said, I like you. So anyhow, you didn't cheat this week, did you? I'm calling you out, aren't I, girl? All right, here we go. So anyhow, they, uh, they're our missions and outreach pastors, but in our transition with youth pastor, they have been stepping into that gap, and so they've taken the high school kids to camp, the junior high kids to camp. They're doing the junior high missions trip, the high school missions trip. I said, you guys have four weeks of vacation this summer. What are you going to do with yourself? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just joking, folks. I'm really, they'll get vacation time. They at least get a weekend off this year. So, um, but anyhow, I had a great week of camp, and uh, just an awesome week, and then uh, uh, then uh, our, it was kind of crazy because everybody was kind of gone this week. Uh, they were gone to camp. Uh, Ryan and I were in Birmingham at a, doing a church thing this week. 
And on Friday, because of all the flooding, we get up to leave the airport and uh, only to arrive there for them to say, hey, the Milwaukee airport has been shut down. I'm expecting that in wintertime a little bit, but not, you know. In the, and, uh, and so we got stuck in Atlanta. How many of you that travel? I mean, I think you have, you're going to have to go through Atlanta just to get to heaven. And I think Delta probably will be the carrier. It's crazy. So we were stuck. Yeah, you guys like the ATL, don't you? All right. So, um, it's, you, so it was one of those crazy days. And finally, we got a flight out to Appleton. We couldn't get into Milwaukee. We got a flight to Appleton. They said, we may not be able to get you into Milwaukee till Saturday evening, Sunday morning sometime. So I thought about, ah, let's just skip church, Ryan. But since I've got to work on the weekends because I don't do anything during the week, I had to be here. So <laughs> anyhow, so we got here, and that was good. And, and then uh, Randall and Eva were in Kansas City this week at a, at a worship conference. I mean, everybody, we're out. So I'm like, are they back yet? So we're calling them. They had no clue. No clue. You know, creative types, just no clue. Hey, man, what? Oh, no worries. So anyhow, I said, you better check on a rental car if you have to deadhead a car from... Kansas City to Milwaukee just to get back. So they had no problems, none, none. Me and Ryan, the, the, the melancholy and the, and the cleric, we, we're like, I think we lost years on our life in Atlanta on Friday. And then Kevin Gineer was in charge this week. Does that make you sleep better at night? I told him, I said, Kevin, I got some good news and some bad news. Good news is you're in charge. And he's like, all right. I said, the bad news is everybody else is gone. So um, anyhow, and so on his watch this week, the, um, uh, somebody vandalized the building and broke a couple of, uh, of windows. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And did that. And then the uh, storm set off the security system in a way that shut the offices down that we couldn't get in. And uh, everybody that had a key to get in was out of town. So uh, when you see Kevin, just thank him for his leadership. Okay? Just say, Pastor said you did a great job this week. So anyhow, it's been a fun, fun, fun week and a crazy week and all that. So, but it's good to be here. And today I want to just talk about this parable about work, about the workers in the vineyard that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 20. And uh, it's just some good take-home value. There's just, there's just a big blank space in the backside of your bulletin if you want to jot down some thoughts. What I really think will happen this weekend is there'll be one or two things that will just really stick out to you. And uh, that just kind of goes, just, that's, man, that resonates with me. Just write that thought down. Don't try to capture the whole thing, but just try to just, just jot this down and the things that mean something to you. But as we're working through this, and in summertime and all that, it reminds me of my first real official job. Uh, I was 16, and uh, uh, I was a sophomore in high school, and so that, I was able to work at that point, I think for like three bucks an hour, and that was minimum wage at that time. And so I got a job sacking groceries at a grocery store, called me a courtesy clerk. It was a real, real fancy title for, you know, I'm the paid boy, and whatever you need me to do, that's what I did. And so, uh, you know, I had to wear a, a shirt and a tie. They gave me an apron. And uh, my little name badge was at Harp's Grocery Store. And, um, and so, man, we would sack groceries and, and stock the, the, the dairy case and, uh, and, and uh, the bread aisle and, I mean, cans and all that kind of stuff. And I remember, but I remember the process. And uh, I remember the process of going through the help want ads and the classified and filling out an application and thinking, I'm so big and so cool. And, you know, and I, and I got a, uh, you know, and, 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 then, and, then, and then going through the interviewing process, right? And, and I mean, I interviewed for everything under the sun you can name. And then finally getting the job, feeling like I was quite the man, you know, and my dad kept telling me, I'm going to teach you the value of a dollar. And so I'm just thinking I'm about to, you know, be the Donald Trump of the grocery store business. And, and, uh, and then going to get my first paycheck. You remember the first paycheck? Do you remember how cool that was? It was your name on the line. 
And it wasn't from your grandparents or from your favorite aunt or uncle for a birthday gift. It was like a check. And, and I walked in and I snapped that check. And I said, there it is, Pops. I, that's, my, that's it. And, and the, first, the first paycheck. And I'm such a man, the value of a dollar. And he said, what are you going to do with it, son? I said, I'm going to spend it all tonight. <laughs> do you remember when you could spend your entire paycheck and it didn't affect anything in your life? Man, you still got to eat. You still got to sleep. Man, your mom even did your clothes for you, right? Hallelujah. You don't have that good day. I mean, you know, you had all that and, and everything. And so it, it just reminded me of that. What a life. We all have gone through that process. And the Bible in this parable, Jesus kind of talks about this whole process and basically just says that the kingdom is a lot like this, that we as Christ followers are workers, and so I'm just going to walk through each one of these, these verses as we kind of, we're just going to kind of motor through Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Starting in verse 1, he talks about the hiring process of this help wanted. He says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of an estate who went out early one morning to hire workers for the vineyard. Now, I want you to catch this. God, when you're talking about the kingdom, he likens us unto workers. He likens himself unto the owner, and he's looking for help. God is looking for people to receive his grace and his mercy. Never forget that. The world that we live in tells us that God is some cosmic killjoy that sits up in the heavenlies with a Louisville slugger that just wants to judge people and just knock their proverbial heads off. That's not the image that we get of God or of Jesus Christ in Scripture. Rather, it's a God who is scouring the earth. He is sifting the earth. He is looking to and fro, wanting to bless, wanting to pour out his grace and his mercy, wanting to enlist people into the kingdom. That's the God that we serve. That's the same God that we serve today. See, the heartbeat of God has been, will be, and always will be, not willing that any should perish. That's God's heart. God's heart, listen to me. God loves you and I, but he loves the person that's down and out. He loves the person that's up and over. He loves the person, and we don't have the ability to comprehend this, but God loves the person that doesn't even love him. He loves the greatest antagonist on the planet against his cause. Why? Because it's the father heart of God. For God so loved the world. The older I get, the more I love that word so. Because it means without restraint, without strings, without condition. Unconditional love. That's what draws you to Jesus. It's not a great church service. It's not a great message. It's not a great program. It's the fact that you hear and by faith you receive that there is a God and his name is Jesus and he loves you unconditionally. It sets you free to live the life that you're intended to live. And that's a God that we serve. Let's go on to verse 2. The Bible says, and he agreed to pay the normal daily wage and then he sent them out to work. You're hired. You're hired. As soon as he finds you, you're hired. God is always looking to release people into their destiny for them to use their gifts and their talents that he gave them. Do you know that God has gifted you? Do you know that God has given you talents and abilities, that God has a destiny and a plan for your life, and it's to release you? That's the reason why the Bible says in the book of Psalms that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. Why would God want to give you the desires of your heart? Because he created you with those desires. He Put that deep into your heart. And everything that you need, this isn't secular humanism, this is God's word. Everything that you need to fulfill the will and the plan of God for your life, he has gifted you with. Everything that you need to fulfill the will and the plan for God in your life, he's gifted you with. Every, every, everything you need. Did you know that? And so all of a sudden when you come to church, all of a sudden when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden when you become hired, according to this parable... 
All of a sudden, you come on to this discovery of those gifts. And if you don't know what that is, just simply see someone at Gift Services. We'll get you connected with Volunteer Central, and we'll help you. We have a gift assessment, and we'll kind of sit there and say, this is some things that we think you might really be good at. These are some things that you can really, that, that we, we think God may help you with. These are some things that maybe God has planted deep into your heart. Listen to me. God's gifted you with that. Some of you in this room, you, you, you can work incredible with your hands. Do you know how needed that is? Not just here, but in all types of projects and things that, we, that, that are in our community. Uh, some of you, you have, you have incredible administrative gifts. Do you know how awesome that would be to leverage a few hours of your week to come in and to serve and to help in, in, in all types of ways? Some of you are sitting and you're hearing me and you go, yeah, but I don't mean to be mean, Pastor, but, but, but the bottom line is, is, is I've done this before and they basically uh, put me in some obscure place and it's just, it, it, there's nothing fulfilling about that. And I, would, I get that, right? Because some of you just have this high threshold, high capacity. There's these things in your heart and in your life and to do. And, and what I would say to you is, is let us help you. Let us help you discover what that is. Let us help you put that there. Some of you in this room, the book of Romans says that God's given a gift of giving. Some of you are high capacity business people that you have an ability. God has gifted you with the ability to make money. I don't mean to, to, to be crass about it, but just to be direct. And for the sake of time, God's giving you that gift. And at the end of the day, he wants to help you utilize that gift, not just here. And you may be sitting here going, well, where do I go? What, what do I do with this? Well, come talk to me. Not just for Life Church, but I know projects and opportunities and ministries and opportunities all around the world. And I can say, why don't you consider this, or why don't you consider that, or why don't you look here, or look there, and be able to help connect you into those places that would really be beneficial to you. You see, God's gifted every one of us. What, depend, it doesn't matter whether you feel like you're a one-talent one person or, or a ten-talent person. God has gifted you, and he wants, to, he wants to develop and give you those gifts and those things. Now, we go into, when you begin work, it, it's, it goes on in this passage. It's not just about status quo. God's not about status quo. In, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 3 and through 4, it talks about this. At 9 in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. Do you understand that the God that we serve constantly is looking to grow and move forward? Status quo isn't good enough for God. Status quo, just average, everyday just humdrum, that's not the way God does things. And I understand that, that the church of Jesus Christ, and sometimes, in some ways, has been a poor representation of who and what God is. Because 85% of the churches in America are plateaued or in decline. I don't care what denomination, I don't care Protestant, Catholic, it doesn't matter what it is, they're, they're plateaued in decline. And, and it's because they've got this status quo, everything's okay, it doesn't really matter, it's just the church kind of mentality. And that's not the way God operates. God is constantly looking to move things forward. The kingdom is never about the found. It's always about the lost. The kingdom of God is never about the workers that are already in the vineyard. That'd be you and I. It's about the people that have yet to come. God is constantly looking. God is continually reaching out to others. And I believe some of the God's greatest servants have yet to be reached. I believe some of the greatest servants of the kingdom we've yet to see. I mean, you know, this past week, Kevin and Noel were taking, uh, you know, a whole group of, of middle school students to camp. And there are kids that came home from camp this week that said, you know what, I feel like I've got a call into vocational ministry. I feel like God wants me to be a missionary or wants me to be a youth pastor, wants me to be a kids pastor or a senior pastor, or, or I'm supposed to serve in this area and that area. And sometimes it's real easy to kind of go, oh, that's nice, Johnny. Oh, that's nice, Sally. It's, it's nice that God's doing that for you. Stop. They may be one of the greatest missionaries ever known. 
should the Lord tarry his coming. God may use your son or your daughter to reach an entire city, village, country that's yet to be reached. He may impart into them gifts and abilities to do things that's never been done before, to leverage ministry in a way that's never, that's never occurred before. God, God uses all of us. And, and the thing is, is that God is constantly looking. God is constantly speaking. God is constantly doing things. See, I think many times we, we don't get this. I think many times we just think, well, it's just me. If that's the way you want to think, then just go on with your sorry life. But there's a whole bigger life to live. And God looks at you and goes, no, 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 no. I can do exceedingly and abundantly in your life above all you can ever think or ask. God is limitless. The only limits that are put on God are us. Do you understand that? Let me talk to this side. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is anybody here? It's one of these things where I really believe if we really could just see for a moment the way God sees us as individuals and as a corporate body of people, we would be changed forever. And at Life Church, it's not about those of us that are here. It's about those of us that have yet to come. The focus of any growing church is not about the people that are there. It's not about the people that are working the vineyard, according to this parable. It's about the workers that have yet to come and be hired. And any time, because see, it's an upside-down kingdom principle. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in verse 16, but it's an upside-down kingdom principle. Where if you want to be served, then you must first serve. If you want to be first, then you've got to be last. If you want to receive, then you've got to give. See, the world says it's all about you. Take all you can get, everything you can have. I mean, it's about, it's about accumulating a pile of stuff. And God never created you for accumulation. He created you for relationship. And you'll never find fulfillment in accumulation. That's the reason why I don't care how many championships you've won, you want one more. I don't care how big the house is, you want a few more square feet. I don't care how nice the car is, you want that next. It's, it's this human condition that we battle with. And so at the end of the day, we have to remember that, it, that, that God is constantly looking. God is constantly hiring. The, second, the next thing is he, he's always hiring. Let's read on in verses 5, 6, and 7. At noon, and again at three, he did the same thing. And at five, that evening, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. And he asked them, why haven't you been working? And they replied, because no one's hired us. And the owner of the estate told them, then go out and join others in my vineyard. That statement always gets me. Why haven't you been working? Because no one's hired us. Do you know, I can be on television as a church. We can do commercials, billboards, Direct mailers, the number one reason why people come to church is because you invite them. The number one reason anybody comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ is because someone's invested in them and then they're invited. That's just why we do the invest and invite strategy. We don't pour a lot of money into outside advertising. Why? Because the greatest advertisement is you. Because we're not trying to sell a product. We're just trying to introduce people to a person named Jesus. In a way that they get it. In a way that's not weird or goofy or wild, but a way that they get it and that it's, that, that it's understandable. God's always hiring. God's always looking. It's never too late to begin serving. And there's so much work to do. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 2, says, Jesus says this, that the harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest that he may send out workers into the field. Regularly, I pray and have prayed. 
We even do this in staff prayer sometimes. We have staff prayer Monday through Thursday. And there's times where we'll, we will just push up, put our hands out towards the north, according to the scripture, and just say, God, we pray that you bring workers into this harvest field and to the west and to the east and to the south. Why? Because I know that there are people, and I'm going to be on a little bit thin ice here, but I'll just talk about this for a minute. I know there are new people moving into our community that are looking for a life-giving opportunity called the church to be involved in. And I know there are people who are wasting away on church pews. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to be out there on this one. You may not like it, like what I'm going to have to say. But I don't believe there are fences in the kingdom. I'm not going after other people from other churches. But I believe there are people that are wasting away with their talents and their abilities. Because somebody's a high-capacity leader and they've stuck them with bulletins in a balcony where nobody sits and asks them to service that area. And those people live frustrated and they walk away and they're looking for a place that will challenge them. They're looking for, because they, they want to be a part of the Great Commission. They want to be a part of the, they want to fulfill the Great Commandment. They want to go into all the world and reach and teach. I don't think we have a money problem. I don't think we've got a, a capacity problem. I don't think we've got an intelligence problem. I don't think we have a spiritual problem. I think we have a challenge problem. And I don't think it deals with the people. I think it's with the pastors. Because I think that God will do exceedingly abundantly. And I think you want to be a part of something that's winning. I think you want to be a part of something that's growing. I think you want to be a part. Listen, it's all about the kingdom. I know I'm getting excited. It's summertime. I need to cool down. It's all about the kingdom. But we have an opportunity to change the world. And I'm totally stoked. I am more excited about the future of this church and this community than than I've ever been. Last week, I had lunch with a a new pastor at um, Northbrook. Mike and Mike and I actually went to the same college and uh, and and at uh, kind of overlap times and I was so excited when I left that lunch to go, dude, God is brought this high capacity leader and that church is growing and that church is flourishing and and then and I had lunch a couple of weeks ago with Jason Esposito he's a great friend of mine from First Alliance and and to see the building go up and they're going to build 600 seats and I'm praying for 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 uh, for, for those seats to be filled because in three services you can reach 1800 people on a weekend and you go but isn't that our competition no it's all about the kingdom baby it's all about touching people's lives it's all about servicing people listen until everybody in this community, until everybody in this metropolitan area has been reached, we've not done the job. And so let's link together and let's serve together and let's work together. But I'm praying, oh God, you're the God of the harvest and your word says that I can ask you that the harvest is plentiful. Listen to me, we don't have a shortage of harvest. Here's how I feel. I feel like I'm a farmer on a John Deere combine and I'm looking over this palatial acreage of land and it's white under harvest, but way out in the distance, I see lightning and I see thunder and I've got to get that, that grain in before the, before the storm comes and it knocks it to the ground and it's gone and it's wasted. And so I'm trying to get everybody that I can. I've got all the John Deere tractors that I can use. I've got all the combines I can use. I, I've got everything. I just need people to run them. I need people that can get it to the, to, to, to the granary. I need people that can link arms and to do that. And so I pray constantly, oh God, we need high capacity leaders. Oh God, give us influencers. And not just in, in Germantown, but in the city of Milwaukee. Oh God, do something here. Do you know that Milwaukee is the only city that's never had a great revival? And think, I know I'm talking way faster than you can, maybe can keep up. A fast talking southerner is hard to understand. Maybe, just maybe, that's what God's using us to do. Wow. I got to move on. Reward, there's always a payday. Always a payday. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 8, that evening he told the foreman, now call the workers in and pay them. Hallelujah. Beginning with the last workers first. Again, it's the upside down kingdom. 
First is last. Serve to be served. Give to receive. There's always a reward for your service. And it's according to what you're called and gifted to do. See, God doesn't reward you based on what somebody else's giftings and callings are. God doesn't reward you based upon how you stack up with someone else. You're running your own race. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good that we do. This life is but a vapor, the Bible says. We think this is the big gig. It's not. This is only the dress rehearsal. And based on what we do in this world will determine what, how we'll be rewarded in eternity. That's the reason why I never get offended at people getting upset with me if I take up an offering for missions or I take up an offering for ministry or, I, or, or I'm trying to get people to get involved in something or I push a little hard. You know why? Because it's not about me. It's about there's going to come a day before God and as a pastor, I'm responsible for my own life, but I'm also responsible for the things that I say to you. And what I will not have in heaven is this. Any one of you coming up to me and going, you didn't challenge me enough. You didn't tell me about the Great Commission. You didn't give me an opportunity to do anything in missions. You didn't push my buttons. And I spent my entire life doing something that matters not. No, contrary, mon frere. You'll come to me and say, thank you. Thank you for taking up that extra offering. I know it doesn't feel like it now, but you will. I feel like a little bit like my dad talking to me, right? It's going hurt, to hurt me more. It's going to hurt me more. Thank you for getting me on that mission trip. Thank you for asking me to sacrifice. Thank you for pushing me to serve in the community. Thank you for going beyond myself. Thank you for those couple of times that I walked out of service and said, I'm so mad at that guy right now, but knowing full well that what you're saying is God's word and it's the truth. We have one life. We have one time on this planet. And folks, this is just a vapor. But everything that we do will be rewarded. And sometimes I, I don't allow my, I'm one of these kind of people, I'm so busy making scraps, it's hard for me to make a, keep a scrapbook. Is anybody else like that? I mean, I'm just like, go, go, right? But I sit and I think for a minute, what will it be like? When the trumpet of the Lord will sound, the time will be no more. And we who, those of us who are dead in Christ will rise first. And those of us that are alive will be caught as meeting in the air. And forevermore shall we be. Because Revelation says there's coming a day where there'll be a man in the clouds with a crown on his head and a sickle in his hand and he will harvest this earth. What will it be like when we get to stand before God and God shows us collectively what we're able to do? I mean, this past week, we're, we're working on some things. I'm telling you, the 10-year anniversary service of the ser- church, you don't want to miss that. I mean, it's going to be wheels off, total fun. Do you realize that just in our time, you have given over a million dollars just to missions? You didn't know that, did you? This church, a million bucks. And they statistically say that for every dollar that's given to missions, seven people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in kind of relationship. Now you do the math. See, now you're not so mad about taking that extra offering. Because you're like, that's pretty cool. I know, I've been wanting to tell you that all week long. All right, I got to move on. 
differentiation. Not all employees are the same, and they're not all treated the same. The Bible goes on in verse 9 and verse 10 and says, With those who were hired at 5 p.m. were paid, and each received a full day's wage. And those that were hired earlier came to get their pay, and they assumed they'd receive more, but they, were, but they too were paid a day's, a day's wage. See, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. God's grace is the same for all. Nobody's better than anybody else. Me, I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. Sinner, saint, known, unknown, lifelong Christ follower, deathbed conversion, it's all the same. God loves us all. He loves you just as much as he loves me. He loves that person that's down and out just as much as he loves the person that's up and over. God loves us. He goes on to say in, in verse number 11 and verse number 12, uh, he said, and when they received their pay, they protested. Those people worked only an hour, and yet you paid them as much as, as you paid us who have worked. I love this phrase. All day long in the scorching heat. They just kind of want to throw that scorching heat in there, right? Come on. You read it. That's what it says. It's, it's like trauma. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and so... Uh, the, the, the deal is, is that God's trying to get us to understand something. Look, and I learned this a long time ago. Who signs your check? You better make sure you know who signs your check, right? It's real important. Because that's basically who's saying, hey, here, here's what needs to be done. And he's saying here, it's not about me. We're servants of the Lord. There is one Lord, there is one God, and his name is Jesus. You have one Messiah, and his name is Jesus. And as a Christ follower, we are servants and we're workers for God. And so we choose, and we choose to become a Christ follower, we choose to lay down our life, which means we lay down our rights. Paul says we become slaves to the gospel. We become slaves to Jesus Christ. I want you to check this out. When you lay down your rights, you don't get to pick them back up. And as a servant, it is impossible, I want you to hear this statement, to get offended or to be, quote unquote, done wrong because you have no rights. If you truly are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't go, I just can't believe they did me like that. Because if you don't have any rights, you don't have any expectations. You know, if you ever like, like this past week, I've been flying and, and, and if you fly standby, you're hoping to get a seat, but you don't have any confirmed seat. Now, if you're in first class and you paid big money for that ticket, you better be on that plane. You got some rights. You understand what I'm saying? But if I'm just flying standby and I'm hoping to get on a plane, like I was hoping Friday to get Ryan and I on a plane to Minneapolis because we could drive from Minneapolis if we had to. But that plane was full. We were standby. I didn't get upset about that because my ticket was going to Atlanta, not to Minneapolis. I was just trying to get on the Minneapolis plane to get closer to home because I can drive from Minneapolis. I can't drive from Atlanta. I could, but I don't want to. Make sense? <laughs> and when I become a follower of Jesus Christ, I lay down my rights. So it's not about, well, it's just too cold in there. He just preaches too hard. Or it's just too long. Or that person wasn't nice to me. Or they took my parking spot. Or that's my seat. I sit there every week. Or they took my ministry. I've been doing this for years. And all of a sudden, some young kid comes in and takes my ministry. Is it your ministry? Is it your seat? Is it your parking place? Is it your church? It's not mine. I'm telling you, there will come a day so the Lord tarry his coming. I will be replaced by someone who's probably a better speaker than I am, a better leader than I am. He won't be better looking than me, but he'll be better at a lot of things. <laughs> You understand? Because I don't own this place. This isn't a privately held company with Aaron Cole World Outreach Ministries. 
This is his. It's not even yours. It's his. My life is not mine. I am not my own. I have been purchased with a price that Jesus Christ paid on Calvary's cross. And it's for by his grace that I live. And I live in Christ and I don't live in myself. Aaron Colt, the old man, died a long time ago. And the new man and Jesus Christ came up. And so when I live like that, I can't be offended. And I'm telling you, when somebody's talking in the hallways or, or out in the parking lot and they're all offended, look at them and say, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Because if you are, you gave up your rights. Call them on it. It's fun. Call them on it. <laughs> and if you call them on that, you better expect somebody to call you. Call them on that. We need to hold each other accountable. Because here's the deal is we're here to serve. We're here to serve. And you want to know if someone's a servant? Then talk to them like a servant. You'll see. Because... To a servant, you don't say please or if you got time or could you put this into your schedule. You, you know, could, 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 could we increase your pay? No, 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 no. As a servant, it's just a deal of, hey, I need you to pick up that trash or, hey, get that water or, or hey, could you do this or, hey, do that. No problem. Got it. Got it. Servant. Servanthood. Serving one another. Serving the kingdom. Serving, serving the grouchy neighbor next door. I know I'm talking where you're living now. Serving the people that, that are rude, crude, and socially unacceptable sometimes. Serving those people. Ser- you know, it's just serving people. It's not, it's my rights. It's, I'm called to serve. That's what he says. These people got upset because they got paid differently than somebody else. And we've been in the scorching heat. It sounds like church people. Oh, it's been so hard. Oh, or a pastor who goes, oh, I was done so wrong and it was such a terrible thing. Really? Go to Lowe's preacher and get a ladder and get over it. I'm so tired of hearing preachers moan, groan, and complain about this, that, and the other. I'm just telling you, we need to get over ourselves and just serve, just love. Just look, do this, smile. You may not be good looking, but at least you're better than what you were, right? Come on, just, just love one another. Can we all just get along? All right, hallelujah. And you go, is there a problem in the church? No, there's not. But I'll tell you the reason why there's not is because, number one, you get it. And number two, I continue to remind us this is what Jesus said to us. And this isn't my words, it's his words. And the last thing is, whose name's on the check? It's yours. Matthew chapter 20, verse 13 through 16. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Then take it and go, period, in a discussion. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do uh, what I want with my money? Should you be angry because I'm kind? And so it is that many who are now first will be last then. And those who are last now will be first then. See, this is the kingdom principle. We are servants as Christ followers. And there's a danger when we begin to compare ourselves with somebody else. See, because when we begin to compare ourselves with someone else, there's a couple things you need to know. First, comparison is always driven by two things. Greed, and it's also driven by pride. It's driven by greed because you want more and more and more and more. And it's really that whole Old Testament Ten Commandment, thou shalt not covet. You really don't just want more. You want what your neighbor has. You want what the person across the aisle has from you. You don't want the person down the street or the other kid in class. Greed. More, more, more. It's that monster of more. And have we ever figured out that there were never, it's an insatiable desire, greed is. 
You're never going to make enough money. You're never going to live in a big enough house. You're never going to have a big enough boat. You're never going to have enough rifles to go hunting. You're never going to have enough money to go shopping. You're never going to have a big enough car or a nice enough car. It's never going to be enough. You're never going to be at the right country club because you're going to want to go to the other. It's always just more, 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 more. And we, have, we live in this life of, well, if I had, if I had, if I had, well, if I had what this person had. If I got hired at 5 o'clock and only worked an hour and I got paid the same thing that I've been working all day long for. Greed and pride. I should have this. And I shouldn't be done wrong. I, me, my. I mean, this thing drives some of our American culture. It's part of what we're having a problem with economically. Because we have people in this country that signed on the dotted line that said, I'll buy a house, I'll buy a home, I'll pay for it. And not because they lost a job and they lost everything and they're literally bankrupt, but because of the fact that the house no longer is worth what it was, they decide that for a good financial thing for them, that they're going to walk away from it and leave the bank holding it. Why? It's pride. I shouldn't have to be stuck with that. I shouldn't have to be the, be the recipient of that. I shouldn't have to do that. Pride, greed. We, we begin to compare. And when we begin to compare ourselves with other people, our focus goes off of God and onto ourselves. That's a problem with focus. That's a problem with, with comparison. Because we go off of, off of God. I cannot be focused on God and me at the same time. The Bible says I can't serve two masters. I love one, I hate the other, I hate the one, I love the other. I can't do it. I have to be focused for him or focused for me. And I'm just going to be honest with you. You're either focused on your faith or you're focused on you. You're either focused on him or you're focused on you. And you go, but I don't have the luxury of living the life that you have, Pastor. That I can just work in the church and just pray and have coffee and conversation with God. Oh, I wish I could do all that. If you people would quit sinning, I could do more of that. But because you, <laughs> The reality is, is I live in the same world you live. But we leverage what we have for the sake of the kingdom. It's a motivation in my heart. It's why I do what I do and how I do what I do. Do you understand? Because the Bible says whatever your hand finds to do, do is unto the Lord. Whether you're working on the factory floor, you're working in a cube in an office, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, you're, you're, you're a store-to-door salesperson, it, it, it doesn't matter. You can do it in the name of the Lord and do it for the glory of God and be a witness in how you do it. It's all the attitude of your heart. That's the thing with greed and pride. It's not that you live in a different world or a different planet. You just do it for different reasons. The only person that knows that is you and God. And ultimately, you'll be judged for that between you and him. But, 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 but you have the ability to, to make changes today. And, and the deal is, is that when I begin to focus on other people, I at least focus on me. I at least focus on God. See, God's called me to run my race. God's not called me to run the race of another pastor or another minister or your race. He's called me to run my race. And he's wired me a certain way. And with that wiring, there are some very strong strengths that I have, and there are some very, very steep downsides, just like you do. And I have to watch certain pitfalls and certain things that I'm susceptible to, just like you do. And mine may be different than yours, and yours may be different than mine, but it's still at the bottom line. It's, it's, it's all the basic stuff. I still have got to, I still have these feet of clay, and I still have to be very vigilant and watch those things. But God has given me a race to run. See, let me say this and I'm going to be done. The thing is, is that, and, I, and, and again, I'm not that old. I'm 38. But at the end of the day, one thing that I notice is there's a lot of people that love to help you when you're down and out. A lot of people want to be your friend. A lot of people want to just, oh, man. Because we don't have a problem. We like, we like stepping down. We like 
because it makes us feel good about us because we're on the high ground and you're on the low ground. But it's hard for us to reach up. And there are times where this whole comparison thing, this is how it fleshes out, where, where there's a couple that you've been doing life with or a family that you've met and all of a sudden it seems like that their finances are going up and yours are going in the opposite direction. And their kids get to do this, that, and the other, and you want your kids to do that, but they don't get to do that. And it's hard to congratulate and celebrate with those friends. We should, because you know where your true friends are, not when you're down and out, but when you're on top of the mountain. And, and because they got the new car that you really wanted to have, and, and, and you know what, he got a promotion, and, and his job's doing well, and you just lost your job. And they got to move to the new neighborhood that you would love to, but you've never been able to afford a new home. And it just seems like it just works out for them, but it just doesn't work out for you. You know what? A lot of times that is. It's the Lord allowing you to go kind of through tests and trials to develop your faith. And because the deal is, is that we get into this comparison thing that's all driven by pride I should be where they are. I should have what they have. I shouldn't have the struggles that I have. My kids should be able to do. I want to be able to be at. And greed. I just, just the next thing. And at the end of the day, he says, look, man, the last are going to be first. And the first are going to be last. And honestly, the way to the kingdom. Proverbs says this, the way to the master's chambers is through the servant's quarters. You must first serve. You must first humble yourself. You must first make of yourself no rebuke. Follow the example of Jesus. Run your own race. That's what we have to do. We got to do what God's called us to do. Because the bottom line, we're Christ followers, we're servants, we're workers. And as we continue to be and we continue to develop who and what God has called us to be, we've got to remember it's his kingdom, not yours, not mine. We are his body. This is his church corporately, and globally, and this is his kingdom come, and his will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. That's the whole bottom line essence. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me today?